last piece of pie. <clears throat> or I've got dibs on the television means I get to pick the shows to watch that evening. Now there's one thing that people traditionally call dibs on, and that is riding in the front seat of the car. This particular dibs has its own phraseology. It is knowing as calling shotgun. Anybody here ever called shotgun? Really? Not more people than that have called shotgun in their life? You've... Well, that's a whole different sermon, Jay. The phrase itself, riding shotgun, alludes to the Old West where stagecoach drivers hired somebody to sit beside them with a shotgun on their lap to deter any robbers in the area. In modern times, calling shotgun simply means calling dibs on the front seat. <clears throat> the thing that I have discovered is that riding shotgun is not as simple as calling dibs on the front seat. Calling shotgun, it turns out, is a fairly complex proposition. I hold in my hand, as proof, a 4,000-word document titled, Writing Shotgun, the Official Rules of Order. 4,000 words. That is more than three times as long as one of my sermons. The document <clears throat> shares 26 rules that one should know if one wants to call out, I got shotgun. Now the first and most important rule of shotgun is that you have to call it out loud. You have to say it like you mean it. Let's just practice it. Okay, I'm going to say one, two, three, and you're going to say, I got shotgun. Okay, this will be fun. One, two, three, I got shotgun. Okay, this time like you really want to sit in the front seat. Because if you don't, you have to sit in the back seat with little kids. You want that? Well, many of us would prefer that. But in this case, we're going to pretend that we want to sit in the front seat. One, two, three, I got shotgun. Now, there are many things to know about calling shotgun. You may only call shotgun, according to the document, when the driver is in earshot. There is no calling shotgun when the driver's not around. Furthermore, both you and the driver must have already exited the establishment from which you are departing. <clears throat> you can't yell shotgun in the booth at the restaurant. You have to be out in the parking lot. Both driver and would-be to potential shotgunny must be within eyeshot of the vehicle. You have to be able to see the car before you can yell shotgun. And if you can see it and the driver can't, your call doesn't count. Now, and this is important, if two people call shotgun at the same time, the tie is broken by a foot race or a fist fight, but we'll focus on foot race. The first of the competitors to make contact with the passenger side door handle wins the tiebreaker and thus rides shotgun. Now, it is important to know that there are, in many scenarios, default shotgunners who will always get to ride in the front. Spouses, 
significant others, a personal with a physical limitation, an older sibling. They always get the default shotgun. Now, one default shotgunner is the driver, and if the driver has to stop driving like they need to sleep or something, they automatically become shotgun. These are important things to know if you're going to call out shotgun anytime soon. <clears throat> but the important stuff comes next, because there is the statement, with great power comes great responsibility. And that certainly applies to shotgun riders. These are things you need to know if you're going to ride shotgun. It's like the exit aisle of an airplane. You may decide you don't want to sit there once you know these things. Because if you ride shotgun, you are the driver's first mate. You are the chief navigator. You control the music. While the driver has dibs as to listening preferences, you get to control the radio or the phone or whatever. If the driver doesn't have a preference, it becomes your domain. You are in charge, as shotgun rider, of the driver's phone. You text on their phone as instructed, you respond to text, and you answer the phone if it rings. You are in charge of opening stuff for the driver. You open all their water bottles, unwrap all the candy bars, unsheath all the beef jerkies, etc. Oh, as the rider of shotgun, you pump the gas. You don't necessarily pay for the gas, but you pump the gas. I know that because it's written in the document. This is a biggie. This should eliminate many from the shotgun riding position. You must remain conscious as the rider of shotgun. A good shotgun rider will not, will not, will not fall asleep on the driver. You are on constant police car watch. Now, this is important. You are not allowed to be critical of the driver's style. While you may certainly point out hazards, you may not criticize the driver. This isn't me talking. This is the document. <laughs> Overall, your primary job as shotgun is just to be cool. As it says in writing shotgun, the official rules of order, this is perhaps the rule most vulnerable to individual interpretation. At its core, the provision states that the shotgun rider must make all efforts to be cool. Spending significant portions of the ride yammering on your cell phone is not cool. Constantly and indiscriminately fiddling with the air conditioner, defogger, and windows to the discomfort of all the other passengers is not cool. And the beholder of shot, as the beholder of shotgun, you are the liaison between the driver and the backseat passengers, the tissue that binds the car together, the Ringo to the rest of the Beatles. 
Say what you want about Ringo, but the dude is cool. And the other Beatles liked hanging out with him. So be like Ringo. Be cool, and the whole car will be cool with you. Act like a fool, and you'll be in the back seat faster than you can say Pete Best. For any Beatles fans, you'll know what that means. Again, with great power comes great responsibility. And if you, as the shotgun rider, blow it, you can be demoted to the back seat, wherein the driver can personally choose a new shotgun. As the manual states, riding shotgun is a great honor, but it is an honor you must earn. James and John want to ride shotgun. They are calling dibs on leadership positions in the new kingdom once Jesus has declared it. From the Gospel of Mark, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That's big. And he said to them, with a smile on his face, I'm quite sure, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They replied, We are able. And then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. The baptism baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the other ten disciples heard this, the scripture says, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be servant, doulos, of all. James and John are desiring the honor of riding shotgun, calling dibs on the left and the right of Jesus without any clue as to the responsibilities of riding shotgun. And so Jesus calls them out on it. Just a quick aside, in Matthew's gospel, it is James and John's mother and not James and John who make this request. I'll let you decide who's covering for who in that scenario. In Mark, these two men ask rather boldly if they might share a close advisory role in Jesus' new kingdom's cabinet. And they could make a good case for it. They were among the very first disciples. There was Peter and Andrew, and then there was James and John. They, along with Peter, seem to make up Jesus' inner circle. 
They, along with Peter, were the only ones there when Jesus raised that little girl from the dead. Jesus had even given them a special nickname. They were the Sons of Thunder. They, along with Peter, were alone with Jesus at the Transfiguration. And perhaps it was at the Transfiguration, which happens one chapter before this passage, where Jesus hangs out with Moses and Elijah, that James and John begin to think in these big picture kingdom terms. Now, obviously, they, James and John, <clears throat> were two of the three people on earth closest to Jesus. And Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth so he wouldn't be selected. And perhaps they surmised that if Jesus was indeed the Messiah, and he did, and he did just hang out with Moses and Elijah after all, that it was time to call dibs on positions of power and authority in the earthly kingdom they assumed Jesus was initiating. I think Jesus' response to them is kind of chilling. You haven't a clue as to what you're asking. Do you think you have what it takes to be in the trenches with me? Can you drink from my cup and be baptized with my baptism? James and John, thinking in terms of wine and water and not in terms of sacrifice and service, respond, yes, we can. The image I have in my head here is Jesus shaking his head, sighing just a bit, and saying, you will drink the wine of sacrifice, and you will be baptized with the baptism of service to others, but I am in no position to grant you requests that you don't understand as you ask them. It strikes me that Jesus isn't mad at them, or even frustrated with them, but understand that they haven't quite figured it out yet. They're still calling dibs on that which is undibbable. Jesus is telling his dear friends, and soon, their other disciples, don't focus on power and prestige. Don't focus on authority. Focus on service. Don't envision yourself as being in control or having authority over others, but see yourself as one who gives, as one who sacrifices, as one who makes a difference in the lives of others. After all, that's how the kingdom works. Amen.